Welcome to Layer Zero. Layer Zero is a podcast of unscripted conversations with the people that make up the Ethereum community. Crypto is built by code, but it's composed by people, and each individual member of the community has their own story to tell. Cypherpunks understood that the code they write impacts the people that use it, and Layer Zero focuses on the people behind the code, because Ethereum is people all the way down, and it always has been. Today, we're talking with Mariano Conti, who is one of my best friends in this space, absolutely, and is one of the most foundational builders, I would say. He worked at the Maker Foundation, working on basically all aspects of uh, the MakerDAO contracts, um, but he got actually into Ethereum before Ethereum was even a thing. Uh, so he was one of the uh, first people to live a bankless life, if you will, and uh, started receiving money for his code uh, in Bitcoin. Uh, and that's how he got introduced into the whole Bitcoin space. And a lot of people know Mariano's story. It's, he, it's his story. So every time he goes onto a podcast and anyone ever asks like, hey, Mariano, how'd you get into crypto? He tells the story. Uh, but as soon as Mariano and I are done having reflections about the current state of crypto in 2021, I start at that point in the story uh, where he got into crypto, but then I start going backwards, not forwards, uh, and which is something new that I haven't heard before out of Mariano's background. Uh, and then, of course, we finish right where we left off uh, back around to current state of crypto in 2021, but this time with a different angle. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation with Mariano Conti. But before we get there, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. The era of proof of stake is upon us. Proof of stake systems like Ethereum, Terra, and Solana allow the industry to move away from the hot, loud, and wasteful proof of work systems and return back to a cottage industry of individual stakers and individual validators. And that is what we need to make this industry stay decentralized. Individuals must play their part in crypto network validation. And that is what Lido is here to do. Lido makes staking accessible to everyone at the click of a button. By delegating your stake to Lido's network of nodes, you can access the yield offered by proof of stake systems and claim your share of the network transaction rewards. Do you have 32 ETH and want to stake it to Ethereum, but running a node sounds intimidating? Or maybe you have less than 32 ETH and you need to pool your ETH with others so you can access staking yields. Lido offers a solution for both. Simply go to lido.fi, choose which assets you want to stake, and deposit them to the Lido validating network. The best part about Lido is that you receive staked versions of your deposited tokens. If you want to stake your ETH, you can receive staked ETH tokens in return, which you can take back to DeFi to do your DeFi activities. Lido is working to make sure proof of stake stays as decentralized as possible, and is committed to decentralizing its own validating network to eventually become a completely permissionless protocol. So if you want to stake your ETH, Terra, or Sol, and get liquidity on your stake, Go to Lido.fi to get started. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid DAI markets. 
Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. Hey, Mariana. How's it going? Hey, David. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen you in that particular room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been missing this one. It's uh, it's weird after a year and a half of seeing myself talking to others with this background. Mm -hmm. uh, then I spent what like more than three months uh, away. Yeah, away, away from home, away from Argentina. So where where everywhere in the world did you go before you came back home to Argentina? Uh, I did the U.S. a lot, um, road trip from Miami to San Francisco, uh, went to see friends in Seattle, mm -hmm. went back to Miami, uh, did a little stop somewhere in the U.S. for something. Uh, then I think I did Paris, Mexico, uh, Punta Mita, which is like a nice place in Mexico. It's a, a, a beach resort. Then what else? Uh, then Miami again, then Denver, then New York, then a fourth time Miami and then back <laughs> to Buenos Aires. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it was weird. I, we were just traveling with my girlfriend and Miami was the original destination mm -hmm. and we had the return tickets there. So, uh, it was like our, our hub in the U S and, uh, oh, I left. Home. Yeah, I left at a different time than my girlfriend. So Miami became our, our, yeah, like our center in the US, even though it's the place probably that I, uh, you know, traveled the least inside. Right. I just stayed in the hotel the whole time. Mm. But yeah, it was interesting, interesting months. Out of all of these travels that you've done recently, how much of it was crypto specific or crypto travels and how much of it was less just like Mariano exploring the world? Uh, I think it was almost half uh, was crypto or a little bit less than half. So the original idea was just to do the, the road trip, right? To rent a car and drive it from Miami to, to San Francisco. And we did that. And on the, on the road, I met a few crypto friends, but that wasn't, you know, uh, the, the main idea for the road trip. So in a couple of places, I don't know, in Vegas, I went to see Amin mm -hmm. at his, uh, uh, you know, lair. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I saw, uh, I think I saw Hudson and uh, Johnny from Element in Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were like sporadic. Uh, you know, the main idea was was traveling. Uh, and but then after, yeah. Uh, you know, ECC in Paris, that was entirely crypto, MCON in uh, Denver, and then, you know, Mainnet and the Doge party in New York, 
that was 100% crypto. Mexico, I was supposed to see uh, the some somebody from the crypto community there, but in the end, I, you know, I spent most of the time with family and I couldn't uh, see anybody. And then I felt bad because uh, I got a lot of messages when I said that I was going to be in Mexico from the, the, you know, the crypto community there, which was very impressive. And I lived there for a long time. So it's like, it's my second home. And it was like, oh, I don't know. I felt weird. People were saying, oh, Mariano is coming to uh, to Mexico City. It's like they wanted to organize things and, and take me out for coffee or beer or tacos or whatever. And they were like, Oh, you don't have a car. You're staying for a month. I'll loan you a car. Like, do you need an apartment? I'll. Yeah, it was felt like really good. Mexicans <laughs> are incredible. Yeah, I, I want to circle back to that. But over overall, I want to ask. You've been in crypto since like 2013 or 2014 when you first started playing around with with Bitcoin. Before there was really a big community, right? Uh, late 2014. Late 2014. So but, like, yeah. Now, now that we are on the other side of COVID, how has like crypto in real life changed or how is it different or new now that like the crypto community is hanging out with the, with each other post 2020, Ooh. right? Like we had we, everyone, the whole entire society, all of the world got locked down, right? We all have to go into hiding. And now not only is society like coming out of hiding and like redefining itself, like crypto especially is, is coming out of COVID, but also in extremely different contexts, right? Like post DeFi summer, post Bitcoin and Ether breaking all time highs, post NFTs becoming a global phenomenon. So like for somebody that's been in the crypto, in crypto society for a very long time, what's it been like to do in real life crypto stuff all over the world for the past like year or so? Um, first off, it was incredible, uh, you know, going to Paris, and seeing people there after that was my first crypto conference after a year and a half. Um, I know a lot of people went to uh, Bitcoin uh, Miami mm -hmm. and which, you know, it wasn't an, an Ethereum conference, but I hear there were a lot of Ethereum people right. and DeFi people there that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of co-opted the city and, and some of the parties. Uh, for me, it was uh, it was Paris and it was incredible first you know, seeing friends after so long, we're, uh, we're growing the community, but you know, there's a core that it's still like, a, it feels like a tiny one, you know, just like a group of friends, uh, who we were defining and creating DeFi together, uh, a few years ago and feels like either we did our thing and and now we're doing something else or or continuing to do it and seeing everybody in paris felt a little bit like that and then on the other hand noticing that actually the community had grown a lot and there were uh there were plenty of people who i had never met in person before because they had joined the you know in in DeFi summer maybe a bit later there was uh the entire nft community some of them people who we know from before that got into it, but then also so many new players. And then maybe, of course, but uh, I don't know why I even mentioned this, but it always exists, what we call tourists, right? People who got into this uh, during the bull market. And, uh, you know, when we're back to a period of 
peace and quiet, <laughs> meaning that if it does happen, right, that prices end up uh, dropping again and stay down for a large uh, amount of time, these are the people who will say, hey, I'm out of here. Like, right. uh, I was only in it for uh, the tech, but then <laughs> they weren't. Uh, the, but all in all, I felt that it was still very much uh, the community that I know and love, you know, the, the friends we made along the way. And uh, okay, I, I'm going to be completely honest. From last time, can I say this? Almost everybody else that's OG like got rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> no. uh, okay. <laughs> if transparent ledgers are transparent, we know this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so many people do not have financial concerns anymore, and this is this is a, an entirely real thing. And and it did change a lot of us, but I think like for the better. It's um, and and it's interesting because you talk to these people like we're all friends. We've been through a lot together. We've been through maybe one or two bear markets, and we spent a lot of time building. And we spent most of uh, COVID. Uh, building. I remember when the pandemic was starting, I was in, um, I was in Warsaw and Black Monday was, uh, Black Thursday was happening, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and even though we knew that at that point, DeFi was pretty much gonna survive instead of, you know, the drops in, in, in 2018 and everything. Uh, I know a lot of people that had a had a really tough time mm -hmm. and then i would say 99 percent of uh, the ogs who who stood by and continued they're yeah they're very well off now and either if they're still continuing to build or not or they're doing other things uh it's <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it it's yeah community of friends that we now have yet another thing in common and we can talk with each other about this kind of thing that you know essentially changes you in a way and but also frees you it's incredibly liberating you have all this space in your brain and you know this brain power that doesn't have to worry you know about survival anymore right maybe it's like oh Food, you know, food and rent are taken care of, so now we can move on to bigger and better things. Exactly. It's yeah. like, I'm done with this. This part is I never have to worry again. I mean, hopefully, right? Hopefully, uh, right. <laughs> Not going to And work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is great talking to, to friends that are in that situation. And also, I see a lot of people becoming more creative, uh, more daring, being able to take more risks. Mm -hmm. So I think this was just incredible for everybody, you know, a, a generation of builders, of investors, of believers that it paid off for them. It is, it is decently surreal when we go to these Ethereum conferences, Bitcoin, Bitcoin conferences too. Um, but the ones I'm used to are the Ethereum conferences. And I, I look around and so everyone kind of just assumes that like everyone else is doing like pretty well for themselves. Right. Like there's just this air of just like 
of what's the word um, abundance around. And like, I, I'm a little bit, I, I feel like I should be a little bit concerned because that feels very toppy, right? It feels like a top signal, right? It's like, okay, everyone around me is wealthy. Like, damn, that's gotta be the top. Uh, but also at the same time, the whole point about crypto is that we supposedly have found ways to fund this whole thing that's sustainable, right? Kevin Owaki calls this like regenerative finance, right? And so like, I feel like we're, we're in that uh, like Schrodinger's phase where like, is this a top or is this a new paradigm? Like we don't actually know, but yeah. uh, kind of like to your point, like what you said, like there are so many builders who suffered through the 2018, 2019 bear market and built all the way through it that like, well, I mean, of course they made a bunch of money when they came out the other side. Like they, they're the ones when you suffer the pain of 18 and 19, like you get to suffer the, uh, suffer the euphoria of 2020 and 2021. Right. And, but when you look around, I mean, I agree that on the one hand, you see people in, I don't know, dressed in Prada and things right. like that. But I still dress like shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, don't you also feel like, like you know, yeah, it is well deserved. It's like, sure. I mean, yeah, of, of course we think this. Yeah, <laughs> we think this. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but yeah, yeah. At the same time, like we, we keep on talking about, hey, like new paradigm. Crypto is a new new fundamental asset class. It's a new economic foundation. At the end of the day, it kind of makes sense that like everyone who would go to like the Ethereum community conference, which has been an ongoing conference ever since 2015 or 16, I think. Like, well, I mean, it, it, it's the only way that this would ultimately happen, right? Like the yep. people bootstrapping the economy obviously get financially compensated for that those actions. Completely, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that it happened, and uh, like I said, this changes the the dynamics a lot. And mm -hmm. in my opinion, it <clears throat> it's gonna let a lot of people and a lot of teams, you know, build differently, uh, build with more conviction. Last bull market, uh, most of us still didn't know a lot of things and right. i i tend to put almost everybody in the same bag uh, i feel comfortable doing that because i've spoken and i'm friends with so many you know projects inside ethereum that mm -hmm. uh you know i can generalize of course there's outliers but when i say something in the general uh, i feel confident that it mostly was that way uh a lot of projects they now know like I'm an extreme Ethereum boltard, but even I know that, yeah, we know where it is going, but uh, this is an asset class that uh, in the end is still affected by macro, by whatever you want to call it. And it's not going to always behave the way we know that it should, right? Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of projects didn't know this back then or didn't prepare for it. So, you know, even the Ethereum Foundation was right. uh, selling Ether at the bottom and consensus to, you know, pay their engineers right. and pay, and pay right. people. And a lot of projects did that. And a lot of them were on the verge of, of closing. You know, a, lot of because a lot of them did close. It, a lot of them did. Right. And but also with that, with that scarcity, we got things like, uh, 
you know, more lockdown in February 2019 in like the depth of the of the bear market. Why? Because, uh, you know, I mean, Cassandra and a few others, they decided, hey, we, the community, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And if we can, we're going to bootstrap a grant style and just like hand out uh, money to projects to continue building. And this yeah. was deep what little, little remaining money that we had. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the EF said, yes, I'm in. And consensus said, yes, uh, I'm in. And a few of us in the community that, uh, that I'm in ping were like, yes, we're in. And out of that, you know, exploded uh, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of DAOs and right. the, the ecosystem as we know it now. So, I don't know. Um, I think uh, everything, we need to make sure that whatever is happening, that we make the best of it. So I think we did so in the, the bear market, and I hope we do that in the bull market. And, you know, projects are now a little bit more diversified uh, when they can. Uh, but also extremely bullish when they can. And yeah, it, I mean, I've, I've never been more excited to be part of this community, really. Yeah, and, and one thing that I think is significantly different from 2017 and, and why, like, when I juxtapose, like, is this the top or is this the new paradigm? Point, points for the new paradigm side of things are the fact that, like, everything being built here seems to be much more sustainable than in 2017, right? In 2017, it was like spin up a website, spin up a, a white paper, receive like $100 million in funding. We still yeah. have that sort of like ape tendency and things get overfunded very, very quickly. But it's on the backs of a much more real and sustainable like set of projects that are being funded, right? They, these, aren't, these are no longer ideas with a white paper anymore. Like maybe people are still aping in like $100 million into some brand new thing that just got spun up, but that thing that just got spun up is something real, right? And so like the speculative energy is still there, but like these projects that are coming out in 2021 are seemingly much more sustainable than anything we've ever seen in, in previous bull markets. And so like, and it's also really important, like when we have, while I think you and I look back upon like the 2018, 2019, and we aren't the only ones and look back on it with nostalgia, right? Like there's a lot of people who like, we all wanted the the bear market to end back then, but now with like this absolute mania back then, we also are all kind of wishing for simpler times to have this like bear market come back so we could all be quiet yeah. and like have a quiet come by our community. But also at the same time, having these builders like you uh, and Amin and like the, these leaders like Eric Connor who made it through the bear market can and then and then provably like did well for themselves after the fact. I think that gives a lot of um, conviction and a lot of like a lot of uh, people willing to take risks on to build these new things right to uh, to enable and inspire a new generation of builders so that like we went through the bear market so so you don't have to right like yeah you you didn't come in when it was like the weirdest time ever to build something on in ethereum which was 2018 and 2019 but you, you are here now and like, look what, look what building did for the people that came before you. Right. Uh, and so like, ho hopefully that that was like the bear market to end all bear markets. Uh, and we, there, we, the, as a community of sustainable builders, we can build things where that indicate to future peoples like, Hey, even if you do build through a bear market, you come out on the other side. Okay. 
And like we've kind of now that we're building more sustainable things, like you should be okay regardless. I hope so. I hope so. And and yeah, you know, one of the things I do now, uh, you know, as an angel investor and advisor is just I talk to projects and um, I did this as well with the, you know, some young founders in uh, right now during my travels, you know, in Paris, uh, Denver, New York, couple of other places. Um, they asked for my advice. And in the end, we start talking about the old days, you know, about mm -hmm. 2018, 2019, because that's what uh, they end up enjoying the most. Mm -hmm. It's like talking about how we built certain things and just so they make sure that they don't make the same mistakes we did. And this is something I, I, I mention all the time. It's when we were, like, I look now and it's going to, it's gonna get better. There's uh, proposals and everything, but like maker governance right now, uh, there's delegation and, and something, but it is just not very easy to use. Uh, it is complicated. Uh, but why is it right? When we were building it, I would, I looked behind my shoulder and there was nothing. There was nobody I could. Hey, uh, can we talk about that? Like, right. We were inventing everything. Right. We didn't know who to base or, or what to base ourselves on. So we just built something and yeah, it wasn't the greatest thing, but it was the first. And then Compound came and they uh, they benefited from what we built and they built something so much better that now it's it's basically, you know, Governor right. Alpha, Bravo and the Comp Token. They're the, uh, the standard, I would say, of... Mm -hmm you know, governance uh, on Ethereum projects and others. And now uh, I like to think Element, uh, they looked at what compound data now are coming up with maybe governance 3.0 or whatever. And so that is what I like doing, just talking to projects and saying, and that's what they get the most out of. Mm -hmm. Just like doing that, talking about the things we built and the mistakes uh, we made. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think, and also, I think when you, if uh, listeners tune in to like me and Anthony Susano, we we do a semi regular live streams every Friday now and then. Yeah. We ultimately end up just talking about the way things were, right? It's like we all, we, everyone who was went through 2018, 2019 ultimately always ends up talking about it. And I think it's actually important, right? Because it, it offers like history lessons for so many of the newcomers that have come in 2020 and 2021. Just so we, it's important to, I think, broadcast and advertise like, hey, what, what, what it was like to be in crypto in 2018 and 2019 when literally the world just forgot about crypto. And what they do remember was like the ICO scams and not, well, and because that's basically the only thing there was to remember, right? Um, yeah. Also, uh, you know, yeah, back then, and this is also why I think that now is a great time to build. Uh, and there is still like back then, there was ICO scams, just a, a white paper and nothing more and <clears throat> get a ton of funding, right? Uh, right now, there are equivalents. Um, I've been working on a script, I'm probably never going to release it, but <laughs> it. Uh, I get an idea and the script uses the Namecheap API to purchase a domain name, uh, change the DNS to like a server that I have. Uh, create a template for a smart contract for a 
10,000 uh, PFP NFT drop, uh, set up like a standard website. And then all I need to do is change the CSS a little bit. And I mean, what else can I automate? Uh, create a Discord, create a Twitter handle. And, you know, in a day you can have a 10K NFT drop. And you probably earn a nice bit of change with that. If you set it to 0 0.05, uh, you can maybe make, I don't know, 500 ETH. I, I know it's crazy and out of mostly automating things, but uh, that is, that is the cynic in me that on the other hand, yeah, the, the ICO projects, they were building and they were creating the scams, but there was also nothing there. There was right. a maker we were building, but we hadn't released yet. Uh, there were only like five protocols out there. Uh, and none of them on mainnet, you know, there was Augur, there was Digix, there was... Right. <laughs> I remember and... when t talking to new people, I always look back on like when I got into Ethereum in 2017 and early 2018, I was like, why, why was I excited about Ethereum? I can't remember anything like Ethereum itself was cool, but there was nothing on Ethereum to actually be excited about. Like if you wanted yeah, to go trade tokens, you, you had to go to Binance. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I mean... I suggest you go, you grab your oldest account uh -huh. and just go to Etherscan and, and go to the transactions and like, go through them like from oldest to newest and see. See, see what I was up to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you'd be surprised. There's more, there's probably more than you remember. Um, I went through this because of uh, DYDX mm. uh -huh. and I had an account where... I don't remember, probably 2018 something. Uh, I don't know, interacting with DYDX. Uh, I need to double check, but, mm. uh, you know, CryptoKitties 2017, right. Ether Delta, what was yep, it? Yeah, Ether Delta. Maybe 2016 even, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but like you said, there was not a lot. And now whatever you're building or whatever anybody's building that's new, there's at least a foundation, right? You already have, you know, protocols for liquidity, for swapping. You have stable coins. Stable coins have been one of the biggest factors right. to keep the money inside the right. blockchain, right? Inside Ethereum. Uh, back then it was, oh, I, I need to exit. It's like you had to exit to a centralized exchange, mm -hmm. trade it for what? Best, you, best you could do is owning Tether on Binance. Or Tether, yeah. Right. Uh, and it wasn't even on the Ethereum blockchain. It was on Omni, Omni Tether. Oh, Omni Tether. Remember, remember right. Omni? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Remember, it was a it was a big deal, and then no. suddenly, and suddenly it was all on Ethereum. ERC twenty yeah, Tether. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now you can just if you trust the system, right? And if you like believe that USDC is not gonna. Uh, <laughs> Rug you. you know, black, uh, yeah, blacklist your address. And if you believe that DAI is going to maintain the peg or LUSD or uh, you want to be in Rye or you want to be in Frax mm -hmm. or in ARM um, or in any of the, I don't know, dozens of projects that now exist, there's absolutely no reason to leave. And I mostly don't, uh, you know, leave Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, the only bridge. You know, the only sidechain I played with a little bit is Polygon. 
Uh, and now, you know, L2's uh, Arbitrum abridged, uh, you know, a few ETH to play with that. But I know, I've never, I don't know, maybe I should, because I've been telling people I'm becoming more of a, an Ethereum maxi as, mm-hmm. as time <laughs> you know, goes on. As time goes on. And I have a different definition of, of maxi, which uh, I'll say it in a minute. But I always used to be very open minded. And it's like, no, no, I'll give everything a chance. I'll try everything. But now, I mean, I've never used Solana. I've never used Avalanche. I never used Phantom. I don't think I ever used uh, Binance. And I like staying there. I I realized that I'm one of the lucky few that wasn't priced out. Yeah, Yeah, right. I was not priced out. And this is a funny anecdote. a lot of Argentinians, you know, I've been advocating the usage of DAI ever since I got into this. And this is the reason I got into this uh, originally. And, in, and it's still in my mind to, you know, serve and people in an undeserving economy and help them free themselves from inflation and capital controls. That That is still, that was still, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's still front and center. I, I think that I... I fought my fight and now mm. it's in the hands of, of your watch other people. Yeah. Um, but that was the original goal, right? And so many Argentinians, they got onboarded to die and they had to use Uniswap and they had to use pull together. And then they, they got a lot of money from airdrops mm-hmm. and it was incredible. But then during DeFi summer, they were priced out, but because there were some, they were some of the first people who got priced out. There were some of the first who got into Binance and into whatever mm. projects are there. You know, the, the cakes and the beefies right. and the, I don't know what else is there. And they ended up making a lot of money because they were the first priced out of Ethereum. And, you know, there were some of the first to get into Polygon. And, and I'm not going to uh, begrudge anybody from making money. That's That's not why I'm here. Uh, it did break my heart a little bit that they got priced out. So right. hopefully, you know, now that we have Arbitrum and now that we're getting optimism and that, you know, we have the, the CK rollups and mm-hmm. hopefully we're going to get them back into the fold because I still believe that this is not just about playing with DeFi. It's also the ethos of decentralization that uh, I'm believer that Ethereum is the only the most credibly neutral block blockchain out there. And, you know, we saw what happened with uh, Solana being down for a while. Right. And uh, yeah, but, uh, but it was interesting, you know, seeing this and watching uh, people ending up making a lot of money in these other chains. But me, I don't, I don't use them. I, I stay on Ethereum. And when I say I'm an Ethereum maxi, I'm an attention maximalist. Ah, it's like okay. That's my what I attention. Was ask for the definition, yeah. Yeah, but my attention is on Ethereum. Like right now, I'm not full time, right? I angel invest. I help out some projects, but mostly, I've been enjoying my life, and I think that you know I deserve a little bit of rest. Been traveling, mm-hmm. everything. So, the limited time that I have, and also, uh, I'm already forty years old, so declining uh <laughs> mental cognitive abilities or whatever at 40 <laughs> well 
it's been a <laughs> it's been a journey, man. Uh, sure, right. Five yeah, crypto, years in crypto DeFi. goes faster. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm I'm like fucking Harold here with the, <laughs> yeah. the weight of the maker maker oracles on your shoulders. <laughs> exactly. Uh, with the limited time that I have, it's I don't have enough bandwidth even right. for what's happening in Ethereum. It used to be that you knew everything that happened in Ethereum. Then it was just what happened in DeFi in Ethereum, and then just maybe in the lending protocols inside right. DeFi, inside Ethereum. And now you have DAOs, now you have NFTs, you have so much. And it's a, my definition of maxi is attention maximalist. I don't think everything out there is a scam. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other probably interesting projects that, you know, maybe they sacrifice some decentralization for speed, maybe they, but I won't call them scams, not in like the Bitcoin maximalist sense that yeah, if that's it's generally not a Bitcoin my coin, is to, to yeah. call everything a scam, yeah. If it is not my coin, it is a scam. And everything that is not Bitcoin is just something that will wants to take your Bitcoin. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that with everything, but I am an attention maximalist. It's, I want to stay in Ethereum because that's, and also it's all I know. I'm not going to learn a new programming language. I'm not going to make new friends. I got my friends and we're on Ethereum <laughs> and we like it there. So, and the moment I made peace with that, so much happier. Uh, right. I'm a little bit trollier on uh-huh. more shit posting on, yeah. on, on Twitter and people have mentioned that. Um, but I don't know. I <laughs> think it's a better way to, uh, to enjoy life. No, no I, I totally agree. And, and definitely I, I have my own like a uh, group of, uh, non-crypto people i'm trying to get into crypto and like have definitely turned towards like a shit post maxi in that group at, at some point in time like i feel like this is just part of the natural progression that people go through is like uh you build you build really hard uh finally the market turns in your favor and then you just like coast you just like relax and like oh yeah. thank gosh and also at the same at the same point of like kind of what you said just like all your friends are in ethereum and like that's that's like that's the society that you find yourself in, right? Like, it's so hard when you have both the economy and the society around that economy, like that bootstrapped each other. Like, it's it, to what you said. It's like not that you are shutting yourself off towards other things. It's just that like it's hard to get yourself to uproot yourself when so much of your your life and energy has been dedicated to this one ecosystem, right? And like exactly. And it, the Ethereum culture has always been one of acceptance. Like we all like, Oh, new thing. Let's like, let's try it out. Give it the time of day. Uh, but that's also worked against Ethereum culture and its fate at the same time. Right. Where like a lot of nefarious projects came and it was like, Hey, give us the time of day. And Ethereum's like, okay, that's our culture to do that. And then we learn those yeah. lessons the hard, the hard way. Uh, and so like, the, I think there is amount, some of, uh, amount of like healthy, I don't careisms about some some people in the deep Ethereum community culture, right? Because like you, it's not it, you don't get to be called a maximalist just because like you've run out of time and you and because you don't know anyone your time. Like your time yeah. is your time. Exactly. It's like yeah. So why haven't you checked out this project and this? Right. Because <laughs> I, I don't, don't have care. time and I don't care. It's like <laughs> I'm not calling it a scam. I'm right. just saying that I don't care uh-huh. and. Uh, but yeah, that's true. I I think maybe we as the Ethereum community, we skew towards the too nice mm-hmm. uh, at some point. Well, you know, the Bitcoiners, they skewed the other way. Right, definitely. The 
being assholes about everything not their uh, coin. Maybe it worked in their favor. I uh, I default to being nice. It's like, I, it's like, I will tell you no, but with a smile. It's like, no, thank you. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that's that's the difference between between the communities as well. And uh, yeah, then we get into the whole, mm -hmm. you know, Ethereum killers presenting right. on, on, on main stage at DevCon. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that yeah. was the first and last time for that. All right, guys, in the second half of the show, this is where we go into Mariano's background pre-crypto uh, without actually going into the crypto section. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. But before we get there, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. When you shop for plane tickets, you probably use Kayak, Expedia, or Google to compare ticket prices. So why would you limit yourself to just one exchange when you trade crypto? When you make your trades, you want to make sure that you are getting the best possible price on your trade and that you aren't paying high gas costs that you could have otherwise avoided. That's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible prices without taking any commission. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your order across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single easy to use platform and that has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and accidentally getting a bad price. Matcha also allows for you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. New to Matcha is an integrated fiat on-ramp so you can purchase crypto directly with your you can purchase crypto directly with your credit or debit card and have that fiat be instantly traded for any token that has liquidity. When you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless and connect your wallet to start getting the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Mariana, I want to actually, so go, so many people tell you or ask you when you come on the podcast, like, all right, tell me how you got into crypto. And then you, they go through the story of just like, oh, I was working in Argentina, blah, blah, blah. I want to start at that point in the story, but go the other direction. And so right before you got into crypto, what were you doing? And what were you doing before that? Yeah. Uh, damn, there's going to be a lot of honesty in this podcast. Uh, the truth is that I made a couple of good investments early on in life. So 
I discovered crypto at 34, maybe mm -hmm. 35. And before that, probably didn't work all that much. Maybe like three, four full years out of my life. Um, what do you mean uh, you didn't work for three years? What were, what were you doing? No, no. I, I worked for three or four oh, years. Oh, you worked four, total, three to four years total. Out of, you know, when I left college. Like no shit. Up to like 34. Yeah. Uh, so it goes without saying that the, the 34 onwards, when you started working for the Maker Foundation, it's probably the hardest you've ever worked in your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Uh, before that, I was working for a couple of years for um, a digital agency and I started working there, I think around, yeah, maybe start of 2014 mm -hmm. uh, during the World Cup. <laughs> and the reason was, uh, I think my girlfriend, she got a job and I was like at home doing nothing and I got bored and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll find a job for a while. Just because you didn't, you didn't have anything to fill your time. Yeah, yeah, and I discovered, <laughs> and I, yeah, um, I had moved back to Buenos Aires in 2011, so I spent most of 2011, 2012, 2013, just like not doing much, just enjoying right. being with family and. Uh, <laughs> So during those years, what were like the centerpieces of your life? Because if it wasn't, it wasn't crypto, right? Because crypto hasn't happened yet. So like yeah. when, you got up, when you got up in the morning, what would you think about? Good question. Um, I mostly lived a kind of hedonistic life. Yeah. I uh, watched movies and went to parties and read books and uh, used my computer and, you know, kept learning about programming because if you're a engineer you need to more or less stay current with things uh i had a game developer phase mm -hmm. where i built a whole bunch of different um prototypes for video games uh that are still out there somewhere uh, spent a lot of time with family spent a lot of time thinking about you know the argentinian situation and how different it was uh from you know growing up in mexico which it is a, a third world country but compared to argentina it's so much more stable and sure. um and yeah basically doing that it was <laughs> when did you move from mexico to argentina in when was it like april 2011 yeah so the year before in 2010 i got like I think I turned 30 or I was about to turn 30 and I got like my, I called my first midlife crisis. I wanted to go Your first. Argentina. Oh no. Should I be expecting <laughs> multiple? I don't know. I think there's <laughs> another one coming at some point. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe this was the one and I just had it earlier. <laughs> uh, the, you know, I, I was born in Buenos Aires. We moved mm -hmm. to Mexico when I was six. So in, in 86, I stayed there for 25 years. And even though we came back to Buenos Aires almost every year, maybe two months out of the year, uh, when I was here, I was the Mexican. When I was in Argent uh, in Mexico, I was the Argentinian. It was weird growing up like that, but not bad at all, right? It was just 
that thing stayed in my brain. And uh, in 2010, I was like, okay, I want to go to Argentina. I want to live there. I don't just want to go there as a tourist for two months in the winter or two months in the summer. I want to be there. I want to live there for six months and figure out what it's like. Uh, and I told what my was, girlfriend, what was your time. identifier when you were in Mexico? Was it yeah. like your, was it your accent? Like in Mexico, do you have an Argentine accent? And when you're in Argentina, do you have a Mexican accent? I, like how would I, they figure that out? I used to No, uh, it was easier in Mexico cause I had, you know, Mexican accent you grew up there and right. yeah, but, uh, yeah, sometimes like a couple of words, but when I turned to my brother, I would talk to him and like Argentinian, but it would be like a weird Argentinian accent. When I came to Buenos Aires, then it was, it was always, they would look at me funny with my accent and say, yeah, but where are you from? Still, still to this day. No uh, and now I used to be able to switch between accents and now I don't, I like my brain created a mix between Argentinian and Mexican and yeah. That's Mariana the way dialect. I talk now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it, it's weird. When I'm here now, people, yeah, they look at me and it's like, yeah, this guy is not from Buenos Aires. Maybe from a weird part of Argentina. Right. They say, well, where are you from? Spain, from Mexico, from. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was the mix. And I just wanted to be here and live here for a while. So I told my girlfriend at the time in Mexico, it's like, let's move to Argentina for six months. Just let me like do this. I want to, you know, commune with my roots, with my <laughs> motherland. That they will go back to Mexico, get married, have kids, and whatever. And she didn't want to, so I uh, broke up with her, and I sold <laughs> all my shit. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, uh, it was. Yeah, I had been with her for like four years. We're maybe gonna get married. I said, I'm sorry. There's something that I want to do. So yeah, we broke up. And I gave away was it, or sold when you everything. when you broke up, was it like this is over, or is it like, hey, we can reconvene in a few months from now or or what what, no. what was that like? Uh, no, it was mostly over. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I thought if I only stay in Argentina for a while and then go back, maybe mm. we'll sure see maybe what's, pick things what's up. happening. Yep. Yeah, uh, it never happened. It never happened. i I came to Argentina with two suitcases. One had my clothes and one had my computer and my monitors. And I stayed here uh, forever. So I left my dad and my brother. They still live in Mexico. Uh, now, luckily, you know, the first four years, I don't think we saw each other because I was here and I didn't travel. Um, but now it's like, yeah, I see them all the time. It's like easier. Well, with COVID it became a little bit harder last year, but now it's that's that's over that that's also one of the cool things you know distances they don't mean much right. anymore right mm -hmm. it's a if it wasn't for this freaking pandemic uh i don't know it's like maybe we needed it to don't you feel and sorry to change subjects again but don't you feel like this pandemic uh i don't know advanced the crypto adoption by two to three years, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's like, well, there, there was the, that whole idea that like, um, uh, people started speculating in the stock market because like televised sports weren't a thing. So they were just bored and they needed, they needed a horse to bet on. And so they started gambling yeah. in the stock market. 
And then like, you know, DeFi summer happened, NFT winter happened. The first, the NFT like winter as in like the first bull market of NFTs that happened during mm. the winter after DeFi summer, just because we were all bored at home, like speculating on our computers, right? Like we needed an itch to scratch. And so why not? Let's just have a bull market. Everyone's home. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No. So uh, I guess when you were, when, you, you said you had only worked for like three or four years before you found crypto. What years were those again? Uh, so let's see. I had a job out of college. I was doing what? Uh, just like junior developer. I think mm -hmm. I was uh, programming in C sharp. I was also part of uh, like a small shop mm -hmm. in I don't even remember what I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I programmed mm -hmm. for like two or three months. Uh, oh, yeah, it was like uh, one of this. I don't know. I was doing just software for like accounting. Mm. Uh, before that, I had already like um, I did early on, you know, the first website for my dad's business. And, you know, I did uh, I did software for, you know, his uh, salesman and mm know for managing budgets and, and shit like that and that thing is still running to this day it's like once <laughs> a year no shit yeah once a year like my dad and my brother uh, they call me and it's like hey can you and they already know that uh i open up zoom or hangouts and it's like hey that you know i'm all smiling and mm -hmm. i can already see it in their eyes when they're gonna ask me about something like that because my <laughs> face changes and it's like uh, <laughs> you're gonna ask me to look at old code that I don't even remember how it works, like 20 year old code, uh -huh. but that it still works and it's out there and it's, uh, you know, helping a real company do shit. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Mariano has code that hasn't gone down longer than Ethereum and it's not. Ethereum. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah, so, it, so it's when not it, that complicated, but, uh, sure. but yeah. <laughs> When these uh, awesome non-crypto investments that, uh, what time did they, did they happen? Were they post-college? around that maybe yeah so probably before when was the when was the first no not the first bubble the internet bubble? bubble was around the, 2001 99 right? to 2000 yeah uh-huh yeah uh, 2000 no the other one um oh there's another one yeah yeah but not uh, not the internet um the, uh, the other financial crisis maybe 2008 Oh, the housing crisis? Yeah. The housing yeah, so crisis. The, the bubble between 2006 and 2008. Right, yeah, right, uh -huh. right. So maybe a few years before that. So maybe 2005 and six. You know, okay. Uh, my dad, bless him. Uh, he said, you know, you sh you're young. You have a bit of money because I had worked uh, right. for a few months doing this, uh, you know, just building software. He said, how about you buy some dollars and you put them in the stock market. And I, why the stock market? And he taught me a little bit about the US stock market. And he said, yeah. And he said, you're young, you can take risks. And now is the time. And he's an accountant. Oh, uh, he's also an engineer. Like he studied uh, engineering for like four years. So that is where I got that side of, of me. And he's the one that got me into it. So we figured out a way to do a uh, uh, you know, a wire to the US and then open up like a zero commission account uh, online. And yeah, I started 
you know, buying and selling mostly tech stock, you know, uh, I don't even remember like, you know, AMD, Intel, Nvidia, right. Activision, maybe I, I have no idea the things that I, that I knew about, right. I right. zero diversification. It was all <laughs> tech only. <laughs> yeah. Tech only. Cause it's, it's what I knew. Right. And I kept that for, I mean, even to this day, I, I probably still have a couple of those that I, that I never touched. And yeah, that was my, my first foray in that. And I was lucky with that because yeah, right. we had the, the 2018, if you look at the, at the chart, but then I had another couple of odd jobs here and there, and those pretty much sustained me for a while. Okay. So the, the question I want to get to is like, you worked for a few years before crypto came into your life, you had this, uh, you were lucky enough to put money into the stock market at the, before the housing crisis. Um, and you were just like, uh, like riding off of that to, to fund a, what you call a hedonistic lifestyle. So I want to, I want to get to know, like, when did the work ethic come and why did it come and, and what made it come? That's a really good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that, but like on the spot right now, I would say when I discovered crypto and I started working, you know, at maker, I found my freaking calling. I, I have no other way of explaining it. It was, um, it was finding a group of people who were building something together and not just what we were building, the way we were building it, you know, decentralized all over the world. Uh, on a chat room, we never met each other. Uh, and I don't know, I felt such a kinship to that. And I was always, you know, I built my first website, uh, 95, 96. So I've, I've been involved in this kind of thing, but always on the fringe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I feel I could have been like, I don't know, on the, on the internet revolution of the late nineties, but I never did cause I was on the fringe. Uh, I could have done shit with web 2.0 and I never did cause I was in the sidelines building, but never felt like, yeah, I'll dive into this. But then when I found web three and when I found maker found Ethereum, that's when, I don't know, my brain finally said, okay, you've been involved and around, you know, computers all your life, but you never been, you know, done more than that. And when I discovered this, that's when I knew, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. And it never felt like work. It just felt like, yes, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, stayed up for hours and hours, uh, building and talking to people. And I would go to bed and I, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Right. I would, move around and then uh, I would have to wake up in the middle of the night and just go back to coding because it was such an incredible energy. And, you know, I never, I never felt that with, with anything else. And it went even beyond that. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm a developer in this now. And then I discovered, you know, crypto Twitter or whatever and conferences. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need, we need to go deeper, right? It's like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't want to be a coder. I want to be, I want to be famous inside fucking Ethereum. Like uh, that I told a friend of mine, I think I was drunk 
either in East Buenos Aires or in the first East Berlin. It's like I saw people uh, giving out talks, you know, uh, talking about their projects, and then they would uh, come down uh, from the stage and people would go to them and ask them questions. And I, w I looked and it's like, I want to be that. It's like, uh, at every step of the way, it's like, what can I do to be even more involved, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know why it happened, but it happened. And it happened with Ethereum. That's why I'm so, you know, adamant about community, about purpose, and why I always get, you know, I, I do those sappy tweets about, yeah, the community, our people, my people. It's like something, something clicked, you know? I have no other way to explain it. And at every step of the way, it was, okay, now you are doing this, what more can you do? And, mm -hmm. you know, that gave way to uh, whatever, angel investing. Or it's like, for me, that was the next step. It's like, okay, now that you're financially well off, maybe you can put some of that into other projects and into friends' projects and into, you know, young people's projects. And so that's, you know, that led to, to where we are. I can just imagine uh, Mariano trying to fall asleep and he just sees code just like running yeah. through his eye, through his eyelids like, oh, wait, the, the maker contracts, they could be like this. And then he get up <laughs> and starts writing them. Well, that's how the, the second version of the oracles happened. Like when we released uh, oracles V1, like mm -hmm. three days before actually releasing single collateral die, I, w I went back and, and checked. I have the, the first commit for the second version of the oracles. So as soon as the first were done and not even Psy was released, I was like, okay, we need to make them better for next version. And yeah, I was like, oh, epiphany. And it's nice. like writing things down. It is, it is pretty interesting to see, like there was a lot of, there's a lot of people that have similar stories and, and I resonate with that story myself as well. I was like, working pre-crypto is just not working the same post-crypto. And there's, there's uh, I'm reminded of, of the layer zero I did with Eric Connor, where we talked about like, well, cryptos, it's not just like your career. It's also your like entertainment and it's not just your entertainment. It's also like your social group. And it's not just like your social group. It's, you know, all of these things all put together, right? And yeah. there's so, so many people have this similar story of just like, uh, I was working my nine to five job. I was like looking at the clock, waiting for the clock to run out so I could go home and do other things. And then I found crypto yeah. and now it's completely reversed. It's like, I can't, like, I can't put it down. Like I can't wait to start. I don't like to finish. Uh, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm done working, I just turn on crypto Twitter. When I'm done with crypto Twitter, I just DM my other crypto friends. Uh, and it allow, it, it, I've seen so many people go from like, yeah, I went, went to my eight hour a day job working two hours a day yeah. to going from like, now I go to my eight hour day job and I work 18 hours a day, right? And there's so many of these stories and there's, and each person has their own story to tell as to like why it resonated with them. But like, I think the ultimate through line is like, well, something really magical happens when we have financial assets that align with our human values. And mm. as you, as somebody coming from Argentina, which has seen a, cha a chaotic government with a chaotic financial system, perhaps you look towards Ethereum and you see like stability and not just stability for yourself, but if you can build it, stability for the people around you. 
yeah yeah i you know everything that you said i hope it all sounds sane to me it it all sounds like it clicks i have no idea i hope that somebody you know that maybe is just getting started in crypto is listening to this and you know dm me or like contact me if this sounds like you or if this sounds like we're talking about a cult (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely both it's definitely it is a little bit of both right it is a cult the only difference between a cult and society is how big the cult is if the cult if the cult is two billion people well then you just call that part of society yeah where do you yeah that is true in that case we need to uh we need to grow this Grow, the, grow this cult. Yeah. When, when we were uh, in uh, Denver with the uh, MCON, the, for MCON, I was with uh, the um, Meta Factory guys in the, mm. uh, in the hills of Colorado, and we were just joking about how, like, uh, we were just doing the classic cult joke. Like, we, we have uh, uh, our group of, a collective group of people that all rally around the same totems. Like, <laughs> who do we pray to? The god of Moloch, right? Uh, like, we have our own currency, like I th- actually think we should have just actually just commit to this thing and just actually just instantiate a religion, at least if if not for the very release, at least at, the, at least for the tax benefits. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, yeah. right? We like, have we our can, own we language, can, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. We have our own rituals. We have our own just like values. We could absolutely make a, a church of Moloch. I would like that. That would be yeah. No, no, we totally we totally could, and. Yeah, now that you mentioned Denver again, it was it's so good being out there that I mean, I, I saw you in Paris, I saw you in Denver, I saw you in New York. Uh, you know, the, the difference after MCON in Denver, I thought I wasn't going to have a great time in New York, you know, mm-hmm. because mainnet, it was going to be something like completely right. different suits. Yeah. But then I enjoyed myself so much there as well. Uh, a different vibe, certainly, but uh, equally enjoyable. And yeah, you know, just uh, Ethereum people all around, like you say, the, talking about similar things. Um, just you can instantly, you know, talk to somebody new and, and just like talk to them for a long time and find common interests and also talk about meaningful things at times, right? Um, I now, I, I like to say a lot of people ask me, Hey, are, are you building on DeFi? Uh, are you doing something still? Uh, I like advising DeFi projects. I like, uh, investing in them. I'm glad I'm also on the sidelines now in DeFi. Like I'm glad I'm not building DeFi, but I'm not against it. It's like, I still love DeFi. Uh, I still think it's extremely important, but I say that uh, I paid my, my pound of flesh. And now I'm enjoying it from the sidelines. I don't have to worry about oracles and liquidations and risk parameters and governance. And sometimes I talk some shit about that, but it's always from a place of love, right? It's only because I've lived through it. And yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. I, it's like, it's because I love it that I feel that I can, you know, mm-hmm in a position to, to criticize it a little bit, sure. but then through that, hopefully make it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there's something to say about just like we all we all joke in this uh, industry like oh one year in crypto is just like one month in the legacy world, right? Yeah. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. I, the, the one that makes crypto go really really fast. Yes. Um, <laughs> and like to some degree, like this is expected, right? Like you you were introduced in crypto in 2014. You started building vigorously 2016 through uh, 2020, uh, maybe 2019. I can't remember when you left the foundation. And then now, then you turned no, it to last 20, year, 2020. 2020, Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's only then, been 13 months. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, at least it's been a year, right? Anyways, yeah. so like you go, you go through the cycles and then, and then you hit the sidelines, right? And like everyone's doing, even to some degree, like I'm doing this a little bit in the sense that like, a new DeFi protocol comes out and like sometimes I don't even read the announcement posts anymore. Whereas like in, in 2018, a new DeFi protocol would come out. I'd break out my ledger, put some money in, see what happens. Gas was $0. Yeah. Uh, I'd play around with it. It's like, oh, cool. Now I know what this is. I could tell all my friends about it. And then now my friends are coming to me with like, oh, this new DeFi protocol. Have you heard of it? I'm like, no, can you please tell me about it? Like, <laughs> and th- but I think that's important, right? Because there, there needs to be this churn of active participants that are doing the things in the crypto world, right? And if Mariano was still there, like hammering out smart contracts left and right, you'd take up a lot of space for a lot of other people to build their own stuff, right? Like there is ultimately only so much things that could be done. It's seemingly endless, right? But like we do want some healthy churn of new builders to come in, the old builders to step out and take more passive roles. you know, the, the village elders who are guiding the, the crypto novices. And, you know, we can only guide those people so much. They need to just learn by doing. And even, even we also don't want the, the veterans of 2017, 18, 19 to actually dictate what the crypto novices of 2021 need to do because they need to do their own thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, to, sometimes the best you can do is just sit on the sidelines, watch, and angel invest. That's uh yeah exactly and it's also yeah after you know a career of uh, playing you retire and whatever become a coach or <laughs> right yeah it does feel like a, a, a professional sports where you you just like you can't last that long yeah. like it's it's too hard it's too hard to keep up it's too <laughs> the things move too fast it's too taxing well there's a lot of people that you know are still going right and right yeah that's that's incredible uh, yeah. I don't know how they do it. And, you know, uh, I mean, off the top of my head, maybe I'll just mention, but, but, you know, Martin Kopelman and Stefan George from, uh, you know, Gnosis, they're still building. Of course, everybody, you know, the core devs, uh, Vitalik and and Peter and and Chris with uh, Solidity and Martin Swende and there's so many people who are still around and, uh, you look at that, the DevCon Zero picture, and it's like, mm-hmm. wow, how do they still... Beating the same drum. Yeah. But then that's also what, what keeps me going. It's like, shit, they, they built this, and they're still around. They're still doing, they're still researching. Maybe some of them from different positions, uh, but they are around. And that's also why I think I don't ever want to know not be around this ecosystem right um it's given me a lot and i it's not that yeah i owe it everything and i have to be here it's no it's that i i want to be here Mm 
and I hope that I will still want to be here for you know years to come. And right. I think that this lends itself back to that like maximalism conversation that we were be ha having before, right? Like there's zero other builder focused communities that have this sort of track record. And so like the, it's when somebody says like, oh, why don't you pay attention to Terra? It's like, well, none of my friends are. So why should I? Right? Like no. we're all we're all kind of focusing on the same thing. Right. It's like there's the there's that, that metaphor of like the hunters of a hunter gatherer society. Mm hmm. They're, they're looking at the deer and all, all the hunters are shoulder to shoulder, like looking at the deer. They're all pointed in the same direction. And so like for me, like when all my friends are pointed at the same direction, like I'm looking with, with them. I'm not looking like, oh, look, there's a squirrel over there. Like, no, <laughs> we're all looking at the deer. Yeah. Oh, um, and I, for example, in New York, I saw a friend of mine, uh, Will Barnes. We work together at Maker, um, a smart contracts. And now he actually, he was at consensus before, and now he left and is building on Solana. He's building a DeFi pr uh, protocol on Solana. And um, I know I think he was a, a Rust uh, developer uh, before. And I don't know, we t either we talked a little bit in New York or just somebody on a tweet was like, they, they wanted to know, because there are, there are very few examples, but they exist, right? It's like sure. when when people say uh, on Twitter, "Oh, every developer I know," you know the the VCs, mm -hmm. the, the what is it, the multi whatever, multi coin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, oh, every developer I know is leaving Ethereum for Solana. <laughs> you know those tweets. That's a hundred percent bullshit. But <laughs> but also I know of one case. Right. Right. So, I mean, it does happen. And yeah, I think he was mentioning uh, why he moved. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, in my case, he said, you know, new challenges, new technology. Uh, you know, the things he uh, thinks like Solana might be good for, uh, you know, he wanted those like fast block times, even if they, uh, you know, sacrifice decentralization. It's like for my project, I feel okay with that. And it's like, yeah, we talked. It's like interesting, like that's totally fair. Right. Um, and then I went like, damn, could I look at, you know, something different at least, it, you know, for the for the intellectual exercise of seeing how something works. And uh, you know, not for me. I cannot learn. <laughs> I cannot learn a new programming language, man. Yeah. It's like I already have enough of them in my brain. Um. Plus, there's uh, with the the switching, yeah, the, your sw the switching cost is like not something that that you're interested in, right? And it's like, it's kind of like the same problem as like um, trying to spin up a whole new social network, right? Like, sweet, we have this brand new awesome social network, let's all go, and no one goes, right? It's like, well, I'll go if you go, I'll go if you go, I'll go if you go, and then no one actually goes, right? right? And then it's what, yeah, making a whole new group of friends and right. talking about whole new things. Nah, I'm too old for that shit. Happy yeah. where I am. And, yeah. and this goes back to the to the party analogy. And I think this came from also, uh, you know, I mean, he said somewhere like Ethereum is a party and all my friends are here. So yeah. why should I go to another one? And then that got expanded a little bit. It's uh, with analogies of gas and shit. It's like, oh, 
yeah we have uh we have beer at this party and then somebody says oh but there's like uh champagne at this other one but it's like far away and there's nobody mm -hmm. there and there's like the, yeah uh, i'll take the beer that i have with it versus yeah. the champagne i don't yeah exactly and then the friends that are that are already there uh i remember i talked to cami russo about this and she put in the book like infinite machine the the last chapter is called the party uh that's funny because no, yeah, of this i'll have to go reread that chapter because i actually don't remember that yeah last yeah. chapter and i think it actually starts with uh with me yeah that's why uh, oh i'm such a big ego that i i have like <laughs> i have like the book the parts where i mentioned i'm like <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but part. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. That's great. Uh, if, if there's one thing that having a having an ego in crypto is definitely beneficial because like there's so much like clout to be claimed that you got to claim it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta play the game. I also said that right. you know the best thing I did on Twitter was like going from read only to read write, right? You know? Uh -huh. And I started producing instead of just consuming. Uh, that also opened up, you know, it opened up a lot of opportunities. It opened mm -hmm. up new friendships. Uh, it opened up investment opportunities. It like really improved my, uh, you know, Ethereum lifestyle. It was so good. And that's also, that's incredible. I freaking love Twitter and I'm on Twitter all day. It's like, thank I was with my girlfriend yesterday. We we're watching TV and she's like, Hey, what are you going to do? And I was on Twitter. It's like, what do you mean? Like job wise? It's like, I'm on Twitter. This is my job now. It's like, <laughs> I'm like drafting a tweet. It's going to take me this the whole it's gonna afternoon. Take me, it's going to take me 20 minutes to, to write this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, but what other, you know, growing industry, as you know, Ethereum, uh, crypto, Web three, is also so accessible. It's like you can you can go on Twitter, you can add whoever uh, I don't know Leshner now with the compound thing, and, and he will answer. Right, he's the founder of a multi billion dollar right. protocol. You can uh, you can add Kane, right. and he will. You can add. I mean, I'm thinking the ones that are there a lot, like Joe DeLong from Sushi, right. uh, a lot of the Anons, and they will answer, right? They will have conversations. If you ask a you. good question. If you ask it, yeah. If you ask oh, a good uh, question, yeah. No, and, and of course, I used to be, I, I responded to every single DM. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like my pride that I said, yes, I will answer every single DM and my DMs will always be open. and. I don't have a lot of followers compared to, you know, like you guys, but still it's now it became unsustainable. It's, like it's extremely overwhelming. Yeah. yeah I, uh -huh. I cannot do it anymore. I still try. Uh, but you know, when, when it's like a good question, you know, either like where, what should I do with, with my career? Should I get into solidity? I at least try to, you know, write a couple of lines cause, uh, I did that. You know, I, well, at the point that I was starting Twitter, I was also, you know, now in the, you know, the Ethereum, the conference mm -hmm. circle. So most of the friends, the community I made, you know, through conferences and not so much through Twitter. 
but you know where else like i don't know when the beginning of the space age imagine if you could right. like fucking tweet it to scientists <laughs> or, like, well when we have these like digital we have this like digital society right and so like where does the society congregate well it's gonna congregate on goddamn twitter Right, like yeah. Web three be like be damned. Like we're gonna feed, we're gonna use these Web two platforms until until we can't until we have something better. And there's nothing wrong with like to congregate on Twitter to be of our place of just mutual conversations. And the whole cool the whole cool thing about Twitter is just like one massive massive asynchronous conversations. And so like you don't actually have to tune in. You can tune in as you so choose. Yeah, the conversation is going on with or without you. And you can choose to add to the conversation to the global, the, the global conversation of this like crypto society. You can tap in and tune out whenever. And it's like literally the industry having a conversation with itself. Yeah. And when there is an alternative, we'll find it and we'll use it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to force it. It's right. like so many projects in Ethereum, they were like ahead of their time uh, and they failed because, you know, the landscape wasn't ready we weren't ready for certain things. Uh, Peepit, you know, right. existed for a long time. That didn't pan out. No. I know uh, Ave is building something now. I hear maybe that'll be it. Maybe it'll be something else. I'm not in a huge hurry. We're changing so much that right. it's like when somebody says, "Yeah, but you're communicating on Twitter and on Discord." It's like we're already changing so much so fast. It's like we don't have to change everything at once right it's like this is like gradual it's not like okay we're out of the city and now we're gonna live in the mountains and it's like you know do or die 100 percent or nothing it's like no we're, we're doing what we can and let's not force everything and right we're, now, it's, we're doing it in works. the correct like order of operations right like where the, the high value stuff goes first and now we've just unlocked l2s and so we've gone from like hundred dollar main chain transactions to like five dollar l2 transactions but you also have to think of like what's the value of a tweet and maybe maybe the value of a tweet goes all the way up to 10 cents but it's never going to exceed like a dollar right and so uh and most tweets are going to be worth 0.0001 pennies yeah so we just need an once we have an economic platform that's like that then we can talk. But right now we're doing all this stuff that's worth at least a $15 transaction, right? So there's just an order of operations. Exactly. Let's do the, the foundation first, mm-hmm. internet money, you know, mm-hmm. metaverse money, whatever you want to call money, it. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just remembered who said it the other day. And, and you replied, shit, oh. I'm on Twitter way too much. Oh, Selkis. Yeah, it was Selkis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Selkis finally says ETH is metaverse metaverse money. money, And I'm like, dude, ETH is just money, man. It's okay, Selkis, you can say it. It's all right. (laughs) I still like the guy. Uh, Oh, no, he's he's absolutely great. That's a good conference. Yeah. (laughs) Everything he says about crypto is absolutely spot on until he starts talking about Ethereum. And then it's only so-so. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well. Well, can't win them all. Yeah. So, Mariano, what's next for you, man? Um, what's next? I've, I've been itching to just like go and on and put something out there. (laughs) Put your, put your builder hat back on, but not let, let anyone know. Yes. And I was talking 
to a prominent founder in New York mm. about the benefits of, of going fully anon. And, mm. you know, there were several things that they told me that I hadn't thought of. And, and, and it's not, you know, the, the responsibility or, or, or the legal liability, even mm. though, you know, that that's there. It's something else. It's like the being liberated um, from, from at, judgment. Yeah, and and just being able to to build and release something without you know pre judgments and and mm -hmm. people thinking ahead of your intentions. Right. Uh, I don't you know can't build you... anything these days without people coming and judging you. Yes, like even when we released the the Bankless DAO with the bank token, like people judged. For better or for worse. No, you know, no. Every, uh, everyone that received the bank token was like, yay. And then there's a lot of people that were unrelated were like, boo. Yeah. No, no. Um, totally. And everyone I talked to, and this person as well, it's like this, this shroud of uh, anonymity mm -hmm. feels good to them. And like I said, it's liberating. But not just, you know, as a builder. Uh, Crypto Twitter as well, you know that nobody has their actual face anymore. It's just like right. profile pictures. It's right. uh, crypto punks and bored apes and whatever, penguins and mm -hmm. etc. Uh, Wasis, I don't know. And there is something weird. I think people have become a bit more honest in what they say. And I don't know if you've seen this movie, Hollow Man. You know, it's like the invisible man whatever and there's a line i think he says something like, you wouldn't believe what you're capable of when you cannot look at yourself in the mirror and mm. i found myself saying shit that i might not have said or just like written things that i might not have said if you know i'm seeing my picture there like looking back at me you know mm -hmm. my headshot it's like you know, with the glasses and hey, going to DevCon. Uh, Do you know that, that some bars uh, will put a mirror behind the bar so that customers have to see their own faces when they yell at the bartender? Right. And when they're mm -hmm. like <laughs> bitching about something, it's like, exactly. oh, dude, like I'm, I'm oh, doing I, that. I look really ugly when I yell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's the exact same thing here. It's like. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a, and at some point that picture is you, right? I mean, right. you have your punk uh, back there. And now when I see that, I see you. Like I already, like that punk, if I see, um, I'm scrolling and I see it, I know that it's you. And then if I, you know, sometimes I double check and say, okay, is this like a right click save? Right. <laughs> uh, whatever. But, you know, that is you, but it's also like a, you know, a mask uh, in front of you. And right. so is my punk. And I find myself typing and saying things that I might have been a little bit more restrained. And I think that the whole of crypto Twitter uh, has done that. So hopefully that's that's making ourselves, you know, more honest through right. anonymity, if that's even possible. But yeah, no, no that, that definitely makes sense for sure. Um, I was my mental model is like that's our metaverse self and it's very appropriate that like well we're on this internet platform web 2 or not like 
And now we have, instead of our faces, our digital representations of who we want to be. And like one of the, it's also worth, worth noting that like the face that you have, like you didn't ask for that. You didn't choose that. You didn't sculpt that yourself. And so like the soul that you have behind your face, it's actually a complete anomaly that of the relationship between the soul and the face, right? Those are two separate things. Hmm. So like in the metaverse world, we're going to slap on a brand new face and it's as much as real because we, at least we've chosen the digital representation. We chose that. I chose that CryptoPunk. I didn't choose my own face though. So like <laughs> there is some sort of like uh, natural resonance with like when you put on a, a profile picture avatar. I will, I will say that like a lot of my friends in my, my uh, normie chat, Mm-hmm. They all got into penguins all at the same time, and they all swapped out their profile pictures with penguins, and we all lost track of who was who. Yeah. <laughs> we could not recognize any of them. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, when we were all penguins. It was like, who the fuck is this? I have no idea. And then you have to keep track. Of, I, I don't know, for yeah. example, Alex Vanovic. Now mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. got, uh, he really likes his penguin. I have to remember, okay, you know, the Viking penguin, that's right. Alex. Yep. Okay, and uh, but, but there are people whose identity and yeah, I'm, I mean, I did choose my punk, but then I also kind of didn't. It's like I grabbed whatever floor punk was there at the time. <laughs> and if I could have chosen one, I would have chosen one with uh, maybe a couple more features, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're so expensive. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, no. So, so the answer of what's happening next for Mariano is spinning up an Anon account and putting out some contracts somewhere. Uh, yes, but then how the how the hell do you do it? It's like, do you tweet? Do I tweet from my account? It's like, oh, I just found <laughs> out about this project. <laughs> I just aped into this contract. Come join uh-huh. me <laughs> from this completely anonymous person that is right. totally not me. I have no idea how to do it, but right, yeah. you're, you're, well, you're going to have to start start from square one without the clout of Mariano Conti. You're going to yeah. have to spin up a brand new identity that has no help from the actual human. I, you know, I, I met so many uh, anons during the, the last three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few like big accounts, and you know, you meet them, and they're people, right? They're people right. like us, and it's a uh, they're anonymous in on Twitter and everything, but it's like, once you start meeting them, it's like, yeah, hey, I'm this person, hey, I'm this person. But I I never asked them how they got started. Right, yeah, how they got started as an Anon. Yeah, I met met G-Money in real life in uh, New York, and I was like, I don't even know what the hell I was expecting, but I was like, oh, you're not a punk. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's yeah. crazy. You're not an, an ape uh, yeah. with, with a with, with a, a cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it, that, that'll that'll be a great story to tell. Is the story of how Mariano's anon account became more followed than his actual human account. Oh, that, that'll be funny. No, if that starts happening, like I'll. Well, dox, dox yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, 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 wait, this is me, this is me. Like, I swear to God, it's me. Follow follow my main. Yeah. No, but for sure, that is that is what I want to do next. I, I seriously just want to come up with like a tiny, tiny, tiny project because I actually produce a fair amount of code mm-hmm. and I tweet about it and I tweet like stupid, like solidity snippets to do uh, you know, fun things like 
saying GM to a smart contract and uh, <laughs> not if you don't say GM once a day, then transactions fail. And it's like, hey, grab this code and add it to your smart contract. So you need to say good morning GM. or uh, yeah, <laughs> and stupid stuff like that. But I never end up and I was talking to somebody else. Uh, like a builder in the space and they were like yeah same thing it's like i produce a lot of code but i'm not you know like the the andres or the doms of the world that they treat mainnet as a playground they build really quickly Mm -hmm. and they deploy like i build fairly quickly but i don't deploy it's like when i get to that part i become so middle of the curve you know That it's like, oh no, but uh, maybe I should test it. And no, I don't like this. And yeah, the UI. And and then somebody else is like, contract in 20 minutes. And it's like, here, use Etherscan, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I cannot do that. that is, yeah. That's got to be the maker DNA in you. Uh, yeah, I know. The conservative <laughs> side, yeah. Um, shit, what I was going to say next. Hmm. I remember that <laughs> well well mariano should we wrap it up here yeah yeah let's do it yeah damn well i yeah. appreciate you uh 90 minutes yeah not not bad thank you for coming on while you are coming out of a uh, cough from mainnet yeah sorry, actually, sorry if that was me that gave it to you i you know have my my mate as always and i'm glad that uh you know my my throat was cooperative and thank you because yeah we've been trying to uh, record this for a few days now and uh, yeah it was pulling it out for the last minute for the listeners that are listening to this on Tuesday we're recording this on Monday night so not that we discuss anything timely but uh, it is still extremely extremely fresh yeah no no it is and dude it's like yeah we're just that's what I like about this we're just carrying on a conversation that we started a couple of months ago yeah in Paris, you know, in, Paris. in Paris yeah I was like oh uh, you told you told me the story of uh when you were wrapped up in the blankets under this fantastic new air conditioner that you had, and then your girlfriend <laughs> came home and after a long day at work and saw you all cozy under the blankets, as you've been like super hot all day and got super mad at you, I was like, hmm, we're gonna talk about that on the roll-up. Or not on the roll-up, <laughs> on, the, on layer zero. Oh man, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then we continued it over in like different continents, different cities, and now here, it's, yeah. Are you going yeah, to I listen? I will say that that is, that is definitely something that I've noticed with you, but now that you actually name the thing is like the conversations that you and I have all kind of seem like one, one seamless conversation. We just pick up the thread right. at random opportunities. Yeah. No, no, uh, that is exactly right. Are you going to Lisbon by the way? No, I'm not. After all the traveling I've been doing, I specifically scheduled a podcast recording during Lisbon. So I couldn't go. So I, I will be home in, in San Diego during that time. Ah, oh, smart man. I might end up FOMOing, but yeah. right now I'm leaning towards no. <laughs> Lucas, the editor at Banklist, hit me up the day. It's like, I just FOMOed into a one-way ticket to Lisbon. And I'm like, well, bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then eventually great. I'll see you in uh, Bogota, Colombia. Not, not, uh, not Argentina for DEF CON, but close enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll come to Argentina. I, I know. I, I remember when I tweeted that. You know, gonna meme DevCon BA 2022, mm-hmm. thinking like the people at the Ethereum Foundation. It's like, God damn it, Mariano again. <laughs> Mariano's doing it again. <laughs> uh, 
they responded from the the official DevCon account. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> no, still we're happening. We're squashing that meme right like, now. Yeah. <laughs> And hey, it'll happen at some point in time, and when it does, it'll be glorious. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe it. We're we're gonna do something in Buenos Aires at some point, and yeah, it's gonna and be amazing. I will be absolutely there for the week before, the week during, and the week after because it'll be fantabulous. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> All right, Mariana, thank you, sir, for coming on Layer Zero and telling me your story. Yeah, thank you, David. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>